Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at DaughterSTPaul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Marie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. And today we're joined by you <laughs> and baby Jesus. Yes. Pretty soon. Anyway. Pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today we don't have anybody in studio with us. Um, we thought we would uh, draw this this season to a close, this kind of theme of that we've been doing over this past season of having the sisters come in and do reflections with the scriptures and uh, and all of that. So we're going to draw that to a close and maybe do a few new things in the future. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Get ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but before we move into today's episode, I was thinking as like our little content segment, what if we had like a little sharing of what our favorite moments of the of the past season have been? Because mm-hmm. we've had some really fun conversations. We have. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten to know some of the sisters a little bit better mm-hmm. and I've just really enjoyed having different, all the different personalities and all of the diversity of the community kind of represented. And I don't know, I'm just thinking like, what if we pulled out a couple of favorite moments? Yeah, that would be awesome. And it's been so cool to hear from people what their favorites have been. And I feel like that's actually coloring what my favorite Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. If I, oh, you know, it's one of those things where like, People ask you, what's your favorite Chronicles of Narnia? It's whichever one I'm reading. Right. But it's, okay, I think if I had to pick a favorite in terms of how I was challenged to see a verse differently and how how people responded to it in a way that really was very moving to me was our episode in The Stench mm-hmm. with Sister Chelsea Bethany. And that was an episode where we prayed with the raising of Lazarus. And I think what really challenged me from that, and I was actually thinking about this yesterday when I was praying, was actually when she talked about how it was Lazarus's community that unbound him. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of thinking about how, like, honestly, whatever he passed away from, I mean, it could have been anything, but it also could have been something he caught from the community. (laughs) You know, know, like, sometimes our community or our family or our workplace they are the people who wound us, but at the same time, they are the people that the Lord can use to unbind us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the same people, the same people who gave us the germs are the people <laughs> who heal us. That's really true. So amazing. I literally was thinking of that yesterday, and it's been how long since that episode came out? I don't know. But that's really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, I'm regretting asking the question. <laughs> Do you feel pressured now? Well, a little bit. <laughs> and like only because I don't know, there's some that were like really fun in part because just relationship with the sister. I know that she's stepping outside of her comfort zone to like do something like this oh, and yes. to have the conversation. So and so sisters. for me, they become very dear to my heart yeah. for that reason. Um, but then also the content of so many of them were so beautiful. And I know I can't tell you how many of my hours of adoration have been spent based on a topic of me just like spending time with Jesus on a topic that came up because of these conversations. Yeah. And obviously that's our hope for other people as well. But I have been really surprised by how much I myself have been kind of challenged and and drawn deeper into prayer with all of that. Do you want me to reframe the question? No. Am I stalling? Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> I'm like scrolling through all the names and I'm like, oh, but it, oh, but that one was good. Too. Oh, and that one was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think obviously I love the Sacred Heart and I also love St. Paul. So mm. I think our conversation with Sister Carly Paula was also particularly dear to my heart. Yes. Just speaking about the heart of Paul being the heart of Christ and what that means, not only for us personally, but also kind of in mission and being called out. I also really, really loved the episode with Sister Rebecca. I can't remember what we called it now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Well, yeah, I'll put the names of these in the show notes in mm-hmm. case somebody needs to go back and find one. But yeah, I think what's standing out to me is just how frequently I felt invited to, I don't know, like look at things from a different perspective, but just like I'm getting the image of like a cheesy little snow globe or something and like just <laughs> twisting it around and finding like delightful little details that you would never have expected that was that were there or something. All the painted nooks and crannies. Yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. the attention that goes into it. I don't like knickknacks, so I don't know why that's coming to me, but Just kind of the idea of like, I get so used to looking at some of these stories from a particular angle or like maybe they really touched me in in a moment in one way. But then to hear somebody else's reflections on them just breaks them open so much further and so much more differently than I could have expected. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm regretting asking that question at all. But (laughs) and that was part of our hope for all of you guys, too, is that you know, this might offer a new way of Mm -hmm. realizing that the Word of God is living. There's always something that the Lord is speaking to us through it. And it's been really moving, too, because I'm the social media coordinator for our province, so I get a lot of your feedback directly. Mm -hmm. And to hear your reflections and what you have seen or thought about or was on your heart reading those passages, those were almost always, like, completely different than what we had prayed with. And to see how God was using that passage in your life or how he was using the reflection of a sister in your life, in your reality, was so humbling because we don't know any of those things, but God knows all of those things. Mm-hmm. He sees your life and your reality. And to see it coming to life for you or to have people send in, if I was doing an episode, it would be on this passage. That it's was fun. so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was so fun to see all of your answers. So moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it really is. It really is. I Sister Orion coordinates the social media and I coordinate our Patreon account. And yes. so just getting kind of the the messages and the comments and stuff that we receive from people there too. Yeah, it's really moving. It's humbling mm-hmm. and it's really beautiful. So this has been fun. Yeah. It's been a fun journey. And thank you to everyone who messaged us and said, hey, you know, I have this friend who's going through a really hard time and I felt like this episode might help them. And I sent it to them. You are being apostles. You are mm-hmm. participating mm-hmm. in the mission of Christ and reaching out. So thank you so much for being creative that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had, I mean, like even teachers that are using using the episodes to help students enter more deeply into scripture. Like these are, you guys oh are gosh. creative. You guys I are awesome. I almost cried when someone sent that to us. <laughs> you like, guys are amazing. Goodness. Like I'm just going to fangirl over our listeners right now. <laughs> like, wow. Like we never yeah. would have thought to do something like that. Yeah. We you are know? so blessed by your guys' heart and creativity and prayer. Okay, but we do have an episode for today. We do. We do. We're not just fangirling over you. No. We are inviting you into prayer with us, too. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so the passage that we decided we were going to pray with today, and we kind of chose this together, mm-hmm. to go along, number one, with the deepening into Advent theme, because this is releasing this is releasing in the third week of Advent. So we just were kind of getting into that more intense portion where the, the readings at Mass become a little bit more intense and... <laughs> There's kind of that that feeling of longing and that feeling even of darkness, too. We thought we would pray with a passage that might be uh, a little bit more, that might touch a little bit more on, like, real life or, like, just kind of 
something beyond what frequently we kind of encounter with like the the more happy, glowy, cheerful, bells chiming Christmas kind of theme right. and something a little bit more um, like invitational to just kind of enter into the theme a little bit more. So We're getting dirty going into that stable. Yeah. 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 So uh, we're going to pray with First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And this is where Peter says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I think part of the reason that that feels like a wonderful passage for Advent for me is just like this idea of we are in darkness God's calling us into his light. And how does he do that? Mm -hmm. And how does he do that? And um, do you want to read the Isaiah passage? Because we were going to, we wanted to pair it with the passage from Isaiah. Yeah. So as we were praying with first Peter and really asking the Lord to help illuminate where all of, all of you are at, where we ourselves are at as well. We really felt like inspired to pair it with this particular verse from Isaiah. That's a little bit more familiar. Um, during Advent. It's from Isaiah 9, 2. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And it's as simple as that. <laughs> and this to me is such a powerful foundation for understanding this, this verse of, of 1 Peter. Because when Peter is saying like, no, I have a slightly different translation than you, Sister Benedicta, that you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, God's special possession. I like the translation you had, though. Mm. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He called us out of darkness. We are called because we walked in darkness. We are called to be, we are chosen. We are, we are made kings, priest, prophet, king in our baptism. Mm -hmm. We are set apart as a people. We, we enter into the people of God, the family of God, into the new Israel, the new kingdom of the Lord. And we belong in a special, precious way to the Lord. And he calls us out of that darkness specifically because we walked in darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in that brokenness that we experience. It's in that reality that we are called away. And it's because we have walked in darkness that we can recognize we know not only what light is, but we know what it means because we've experienced the lack of it. Yeah. Right after that passage in Isaiah is the really, really famous part where he says, for unto us a child is born and we will call him. And it gives all the yeah. wonderful list of, of names that we would call him. <laughs> Prince of Peace and Wonder Counselor and yeah. all these things. But but to me, it's that it's that awareness like God sees us in darkness and he just couldn't leave us there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He, and and I think I think what's moving me about that is it's true, like on the scale of salvation history, like it's mm -hmm. true in salvation history. It's also true in our individual lives, like over the course of our life. It's also true in different moments and phases and seasons within our life as mm -hmm. well. And right now, our sisters are in the middle of an Advent retreat on social media called Come to Bethlehem. And the idea is the invitation is to come to Bethlehem, to where the child is, to allow him to kind of like shine that light into our lives. And to me, it's like every moment of our life is an invitation. Jesus is constantly saying, come to me. And the idea is like 
let's come to him all the time in all the ways. And every every time there's like something a little bit dark, we know where to find the light. Mm-hmm. We know where he is. He's he's shown there for us. I just had a verse pop into my head and uh, I'm remembering it in Sister Orianne paraphrase words. So I'm going <laughs> to look it up so I don't misquote it. Okay. Yeah, one thing that moved us so much about that as we were discerning what the theme of our concerts this year would be for our choir and what the theme of our Advent reflections would be is, okay, when we think about Bethlehem, Mm -hmm. often we think of like, you know, little kid pageant shows Mm -hmm. and this cute little town and we have our, our manger that we set up and it's cute and lovely and warm and fluffy. And there's like whatever animals we really like, we we tend to choose to put in the manger, even if they're not historically accurate, which is totally fine. But we forget what Bethlehem was like. Yeah. Because I know I don't know how many of you guys listening have had this experience. I know I certainly have where you moved to somewhere or you lived in a place and you hated that place. Mm. Like you hated the city. You hated the town. Maybe the town was like a little bit too close-knit and there was a lot of gossiping going on or maybe your city was so big you felt lost in it or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or that could be true of like a school or a workplace or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, like the culture or like things that are going on. Bethlehem (laughs) was this little place. It was walled in, in the height of the Roman occupation. It was poor. It was downtrodden. And everything... You, you think of like the most toxic workplace that you've ever been in, the family struggles that you have, the political, you know, concerns that you have. None of that was absent from Bethlehem. And it's actually they were living it at very high tension because of historically where they were at. All of human brokenness was present there. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. People were living it in a very real way. And in the middle of this brokenness, Rome calls a census because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. They were great that way. Because why not? Why not? Why not make people Nobody's travel? Nobody's got anything else to do. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they have lives to obtain, children to feed. So you get people coming back to register in the town of their home birth. In the case of Mary and Joseph, that was especially expedient because they left kind of a, ten- a contentious situation where Mary had been found to be pregnant outside of um, the bond that she had made of marriage. And so they go to this town and it kind of sucks. Like, how many times we, we, we think, like, oh, my, I hate my job. My workplace sucks. My city sucks. How many times we, we fall into that mentality of just kind of hating on everything? Because we're experiencing real suffering. The people of Bethlehem were experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And there is this stunning uh, verse from Micah. Um, it's from Micah 5.2 that speaks to Bethlehem in this reality of being small, poor, not really worth noticing anymore, even though it used to be an important city suffering. And it says, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. That time of goodness, Mm -hmm. that time of pure love before the fall, you know, like this coming out of a place of brokenness, like that place of brokenness that Bethlehem was, God did not spurn that. He wasn't like, Bethlehem, you got to get your act together, man. I can't come until you're righteous. Come on. Come on. He never said that. Mm-hmm. He entered into the most broken time and place. That became a place of encounter for broken people. All of it. And 
it was only in accepting that brokenness that the people could meet Jesus. The shepherds who accepted that they probably weren't going to be super welcome running around through the town to find this little place. <laughs> they accepted that brokenness and how people would perceive that. The Magi accepted the brokenness of having to leave a kingly court that, by all rights, that's where they should have been. It's where they would be welcomed for their own, like, you know, qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> they left that and mm-hmm. they accepted what it would mean for them to, you know, wander down the streets of a town where they were Gentiles, they were outsiders, they were not particularly welcome. And their qualifications or their wisdom was not necessarily um, held in esteem because they were foreigners and their people didn't worship the God of Israel. And it was weird to see them dressed that way, like all those Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. They didn't care. They accepted it. And in accepting it, it allowed them to encounter their Savior Mm -hmm. and to worship him as thus. And that changed their life. It changed the life of the shepherds. It changed the life of the Magi. And it's kind of the same for us. Yeah, it really is. Okay, if we're going get to in, get into the historical reality. I love history. Can I get controversial? Please do. <laughs> um, do you know the book, uh, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes? I have heard of it. I have not read it. Okay, I'm going to link to it. Okay. Uh, the author is not Catholic, but he is a scripture scholar and a historian. And um, he basically breaks open... Most of the book is parables. Mm. So he looks at the parables that Jesus tells through the eyes of someone living in the time and place and with all of the context that they would be bringing to hearing those parables. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love it. That's really cool. The very first part of the book, though, is actually about the nativity. Oh, yay! (laughs) And it is about what... The immediate context, so not all of Bethlehem, but just like the building that Jesus would have been born into, Mm. uh, what that would actually really look like. So we all know we have our nativity scenes. We know, I think a lot of people know that this kind of originated with um, Francis of Assisi. He sort of started the tradition of setting up a a creche in the home and having like. Which is an awesome tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. It's really lovely. So meaningful. Um, But in the West, we've really had kind of a lot of this westernizing, um, imaginative work go into how we understand the event of the nativity. And this book... Kind um, of enculturated. Yeah. <laughs> basically what yeah. we did. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, the animals there maybe would have been in, like, a 12th century Italian yeah. stable. When there's a pig in the stable, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> No way. No, no way. Happen. But it's really cute. It is. It is. But um, in this book, Jesus from Middle Eastern Eyes, he makes the argument that Jesus would have been born in a like traditional home mm-hmm. and that the home would be built somewhat into a cave with perhaps some additions on it. And um, he has all of these illustrations, little diagrams of like how this would work and like what it would look like. But he also makes a number of arguments from other moments in the Gospels that we might otherwise just kind of like miss, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they don't necessarily strike us as important. But he points out how these are details that help us to understand what their homes actually looked like. Mm. And his his idea is that um, any that a typical village home in Palestine, you know, of this time would have what they called the stable inside the home home yeah of the family home and num- partly for protection mm-hmm. partly for warmth partly for convenience yeah because just to say 
the city was walled. Right. Because of protection needs. Right. And there was no heating. Right. So both you and your animals needed to stay warm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what would happen is like they would have a lower level, which would they would kind of call the stable, and the, the animals would be there. And then this kind of like upper level that the, the animals could lean over and eat out of the manger that's carved into the floor there. That's so cute. And then the rest of the building would be the family home. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, it would be kind of a shared space. It would be kind of a separated space. Right. There's like a hygienic separation. Right. Yeah. And that those with a larger home would have yet another space that would be like the guest room. And what he argues is that, or what he points out is that we often imagine that when we hear that there was no room for them at the inn, that we're picturing like a Motel 6 with like <laughs> a no vacancy sign. Yeah. Right? But, Which is a great introduction to understanding it. And it's very cute when you have six-year-olds acting it out. I love it. <laughs> it's very, but, <laughs> so but <pure. laughs> when you know anything about Middle Eastern hospitality or when you know anything about like the way that families worked then mm-hmm. and there, you know that nobody's being turned away. And we're going, yeah. we're t- we have to remember that we're going to a town that was Joseph's ancestral home. Mm-hmm. Like he had relatives there. Yeah. And not only that, but like it's not that far from where Elizabeth and Zechariah were. So do mm-hmm. you really think that if they couldn't find somewhere to stay, that they wouldn't just like go a few miles into the hill country and stay with Mary's relatives? Like that would make a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not as if they don't know anybody. It's not as if there's nobody there to stay with. So what the author, Ken Bailey, says is that um, the word that's used for in in that place is actually not the same word that's used for in in the same gospel, in the gospel of Luke, later on when we look at the, the story of the Good Samaritan and how he takes the poor man who'd been beat up and he brings him to an inn and Mm -hmm. pays the innkeeper to take care of him. Mm -hmm. That's a commercial like roadside inn. And that's a different Greek word Mm. than what is used for this. This is actually, there was no room for him in the inn. That word is the same word that's used later on when Jesus is sending them to prepare the upper room for the Passover. So this is a space that's reserved for guests in someone's home. So there was no room for them in the guest room. Right. Or in their house. And so they spent their time near the animals is basically what his argument is. And I Mm -hmm. actually I know this like it's controversial because people really love their little nativity sets (laughs) and people really love their nativity plays. And I'm not saying to do do away with either of those things. But what I love is to imagine that all of a sudden. People's lives are upended by these political leaders who think nobody has anything better to do than to go to their ancestral home and go sign a piece of paper. And they all have to, like, get together. And so now because I live here and now all of my family's here, my house is just absolutely full. And now, like, my fourth cousin, three times removed, is here (laughs) with his wife who's about to be giving birth. And I have no room for him. So I'm going to go put them over there by the stable, by the manger. But also... Like my entire house is full of people with kids running around and children crying and my, you know, my father-in-law's grumpy because he just wants to sleep and everybody's making noise. And like just thinking of like the chaos <laughs> yeah. that they would have walked into. I yeah. love that so much more than like 
the peaceful, cute, little, quiet. Yeah. And I got to say, as a Lebanese person, <laughs> chaos <laughs> in a home is very normal in the Middle East. <laughs> You're not going to find a hospitable home with no chaos. Yeah. And the thing that the thing I love the most about that is most of the time, the thing that we most need Jesus to come into is not, oh, Jesus, I'm sitting out here in the wilderness in this peaceful little barn. And I would really love for you to come, like, be here with me. No, usually it's like, there's so much going on and I'm going crazy. And this, I don't know what's happening. And, you know, I don't know how to take care of this thing. And, um, and like, talk about political leaders, up, up, you know, um, upbraiding people's lives right. and, and disrupting people's family lives and stuff. Like, what are you going to talk about at Thanksgiving, you know? Or like, what, <laughs> yeah. like, like it, Jesus enters into that situation. Yeah. That situation of, like. Probably there were some people there who were pro-census and people there who were anti-census mm-hmm. and people oh, who were sure. like, what's going on? And people who were and, yeah. and and I just I love so much the idea that this is what he steps into. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but then. And Bailey, again, in this book, I highly recommend this book, super fun to read. He makes the point that the he makes the point that the shepherds, when they hear the message of the angel, that they would have been considered um, that shepherds are on several lists of like professions you don't want to have. Yeah, basically. <laughs> right? Like yeah. rabbinical lists of like these are things that you probably shouldn't do. It's unclean. Right. It's, you know, there's there's various problems with it, which we forget because Jesus used shepherd imagery and we have and you know, Psalm 23. And, yeah. you know, like we have all of these beautiful shepherding images in scripture. but. But they were considered unclean. They were considered problematic. Mm-hmm. And so for the angels to come to the shepherds and be like, hey, go check out this brand new baby boy. Like who among us would want our newborn child being passed among all of these guys who hadn't showered in right. heaven knows how long. And, and probably you know, kind it, of had coarse language. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and so what what I love that he pulls out in this book is the shepherds are told you're going to find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, which was something the peasants did, not the royalty, mm-hmm. and put in a manger, lying in a manger. So what he says is that these shepherds would have heard that as permission. Like, you're, mm-hmm. we're not, I'm not asking you to step into a mansion where you're going to have to bathe and wipe your feet and do all of these things before you can be welcomed. You're just going to go to a home. That's equivalent to your homes. And you're going to go see someone who loves you. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like this invitational reality. The other thing that I love that he uses as a defense of um, his image of how this may have happened, mm-hmm. like setting aside the stable and entering into this crazy family home. <laughs> um, I love his this point, and I had never thought of this before. He talks about the shepherds, and he talks about them um, arriving and seeing the Holy Family and witnessing to all they had heard and seen and praising God. He says, if on arrival they had found a smelly stable, a frightened young mother and a desperate Joseph, they would have said, this is outrageous. Come home with us. Our women will take care of you. (laughs) Within five minutes, the shepherds would have moved the little family to their own home. Mm -hmm. And that makes like, like, it makes sense. It makes so much sense. It does. Doesn't it? Like if they had found them. Out in the middle of nowhere and just mm-hmm. come and been like, wow, this is amazing. And then 
Sorry, Too bad for sorry, you. Sorry, you're so cold. <laughs> and then they just left. Peace out. <laughs> yeah. That would be that would be batty. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, this is maybe too much of a tangent, <laughs> but I love imagining the nativity as Jesus just entering into a flurry of human activity. Yeah. Because that's what he does anyway, every day, <laughs> all the does. time. He does. And for me, those are some of the times when it's most difficult to remember that he is there. Like mm-hmm. when there's crazy deadlines or when all of a sudden we have to prepare for this thing or all of a sudden we have to rush somebody to the hospital or all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, like these things that just kind of come up and become distracting and and chaotic. Like those are the times when it can be hardest to remember that he's there, but it's also the moments when he can be the most present and the most, I don't want to say effective, but like. You notice. <laughs> you notice the transformation. It's mm-hmm. transformative. Yeah. I think the thing that, that really moves me about this understanding of the manger and everything being in more of like a cave-like home-attached kind of setup, which is when you go to, to Israel to see like the the ruins essentially of, of homes like that, you do see that it mm-hmm. existed, mm-hmm. is that it teaches us that in our own poverty, and I'm not talking about financial poverty, although that's equally relevant as, a, <laughs> as an understanding of poverty, but our own poverty, our own lacks, the things that we're missing that we need our human poverty our human Mm -hmm. poverty our our human chaos we can still there there is an ability to show the lord hospitality Mm -hmm. that we have the ability in that to welcome the lord into us that he can be born in us in the midst of that and in fact that he wants to invite himself in because of that and that those that is a place to treasure his presence even if it doesn't necessarily like negate or get rid of all of those other things immediately his transformation works very differently because it's holistic but like in the midst of my own struggles with you know worrying about the state of my country or the state of the world or worrying about my family tensions or i often wonder like who was occupying all the other space in the house that they, they wouldn't have moved them for a woman who's about to mm-hmm. give birth. Or even if it was just as simple as, you know, it was really cold and actually the stable was the warmest place. but Or the easiest place to be like, okay, men out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the women are in here. <laughs> Get yeah. out there, guys. <laughs> but the reality is whoever was occupying the other space for whatever reason could not be moved. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, Middle Eastern hospitality, they would have moved mm-hmm. or at least found another configuration. So... You know, whether it was whether it was a physical ailment that someone literally could not move, whether it was like grandma with dementia and she freaks out if she's moved from this room, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is, that is where we welcome the Lord. That's where he's born in us. That's what he comes into. Those are the places where he comes to transform us and to meet us. And when we're able to accept those realities and literally open our door and say, Jesus This is what I'm dealing with. This is my reality. This is me. Mm -hmm. Come in. Mm -hmm. That's where change starts to happen. That's where we discover meaning in the midst of darkness and brokenness. That's where light is born in darkness. Yeah. And how beautiful that those people who were there who couldn't be moved or wouldn't be moved for (laughs) for Jesus, like... Those people who were there 
Jesus came to them. Like mm-hmm. he came with them. He filled the space where they were with his light, with his love, with his peace, with his whatever could be communicated mm-hmm. by him as a small infant. But it didn't matter because he's there. And I think in some ways um, we have a few sisters who have a particular devotion to like baby, baby Jesus. Yeah. Like <laughs> newborn baby. Newborn baby. Like they have a baby Jesus out all the time, all year long. And there's one thing about it that like, okay, yes, like we can see his face. We can see Mm -hmm. his humanity in baby Jesus, but he can't speak to us in the same way. And he can't communicate himself in quite the same way, except for by his presence. And so there's something very akin to the Eucharistic presence for me when I think about baby Jesus um, of just kind of his humility, uh, his kind of speechlessness. We had that whole episode on on the infancy being kind of that speechlessness. Actually, our founder said, Blessed James Alberioni, that the manger was the first exposition of the Blessed Sacrament Mm. because of that same concept, Mm -hmm. like that understanding, which is Mm -hmm. so moving because, yeah, he couldn't talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's just something really beautiful there that like, here he is with all of these people who may or may not be attentive to him, who may or may not be annoyed that there's a newborn in the house, who may or may not be, you know, whatever, even even aware of what's going on inside um, with with everything else that might be going on. And I think like when we understand, again, going back to that verse of Peter, you are a chosen people, royal priesthood, mm-hmm. holy nation, God's special possessions. I forget. What, what, what did your translation say? I liked it better. God's own people. God's own people. Jesus was going to family, essentially, or at least his town, the town that his father or his stepfather, whatever you want to call it, the foster father, belonged to. And the fact that, yes, like for whoever was in that home, that's a huge inconvenience. Having having a <laughs> newborn, if anyone of you have done, have done it, having a newborn is a huge inconvenience if you're talking about status quo, schedule, the, the regular run of things. They cry. They need constant attention. They don't sleep through the night necessarily. It was probably literally keeping everybody else up <laughs> when they were already cranky and nervous. Like this census. Bad stuff happened if you didn't do your paperwork right. Like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It was scary for everyone. And in the midst of this, they were all losing sleep. But like they were chosen to be the people to take care and keep warm and and shelter their own savior. Mm -hmm. And there is a beauty in that that makes the inconvenience one of the most meaningful, beautiful fulfilling things in your life and to me that 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 just like breaks so much open because when I think of the times where you know I was accompanying either a person or people through something difficult or when I was literally part of the difficult situation (laughs) you know I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) and when you realize first of all a I have the option to actually invite Jesus into this Mm -hmm. and b by virtue of my baptism he's actually already here That in this place, we are chosen to have Jesus present, to have him, you know, offered for us for our sins that we're experiencing in this moment or the effects of our sins that we're experiencing in this moment. He's being offered for us and that he is transforming or at least can if we're open to it, this situation ourselves, the people around us into his own people, into his own family. 
that really can change those moments, as difficult as they are, it does not take away the difficulty, into something where we actually realize how privileged we are to share in his heart in that moment, mm. to be able to ache or long for the thing that he aches and longs for, and to recognize that, I mean, that hurts. Like, to be quite honest, like sometimes in some situations when I feel an ache or a longing for someone or when I'm suffering in a situation, maybe it's because of something I did wrong and I hurt someone else and I'm hurting because I know that they're hurting. It's not just because of my own pride, like, oh, I screwed up. Like, <laughs> like actually, I mean, yes, <laughs> there's an element of that. There is that. Shoot, I, I messed up. But also, like, I hurt someone. Yeah. And I'm feeling their pain and I'm hurting for them and I want them to be healed. Mm -hmm. That part of the pain is something where we share with Jesus' own heart. Like, mm -hmm. he came as a physician to heal. He came for the sick. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to share in that longing for people's healing hurts. It doesn't feel, quote, unquote, good. No. But when I recognize, like, this is a participation in the heart of Christ, mm -hmm. this is something that allows for, for, for healing. Yeah. Because we go forward from that in healing. This is something that's going to change everything then it's actually really beautiful. And that is the impetus to allow him to change me and the other person. And at the end of that, what do we see? We see resurrection. We see new life. We see mm -hmm. new things come forth from that. Mm -hmm. And man, it does not feel good in, in the moment. No, no. But man, does it change everything. And the other part of that is when we can feel that for someone else, one yeah. of the things that that does for us is it opens up. It helps us to see what is Jesus' heart for me when mm -hmm. I'm the one being hurt by someone who maybe even isn't apologetic about it? Right. Maybe like has no remorse whatsoever, or doesn't even know that they've hurt me or whatever. Right. Um, it's it's all of the effects of sin mm -hmm. uh, that we can enter into his heart for. And, and my experience of feeling that for someone else can help me to understand what Jesus' heart for, is for me yeah. when I'm the one being hurt. And I was remembering as you were speaking this morning, I was praying with the passage one more time, and the thing that was standing out to me actually was that word, but, mm, yes. at the beginning of it, but you, mm -hmm. but you. And I was like, ah, oh, what came before? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> and, um, and he talks about, this is Peter talking about Jesus as the cornerstone that's to be rejected, mm -hmm. that God lays down this cornerstone that he's rejected by others. But that we, in verse 4, he says, come to him, to that living stone, rejected but men, by men, but in God's sight, chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house. And he continues on and he keeps going about it. And then he says, um, to you, therefore, who believe he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone with which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. They stumble over to be frank, like the, the weakness of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, um, they stumble over what they wanted him to be and what he was not yeah. versus what he is and what he chose him to, himself to be. And it's, I love this, that it's like, no, but you, but you, you, the ones who see him as precious are the ones who are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, God's own people. And I think even in our own lives, and I like Sister Benedicta that you pulled out at the beginning that this this choosing or this calling, this recognizing of light and darkness, it's not a one-time thing in our lives. <laughs> in our spiritual life, this comes up again and again. It's cyclical for mm -hmm. all of us. 
And the other thing I love about this image of darkness and light is just the way that the church celebrates Christmas at the, like, darkest point of the year. Yeah. Whatever. There's so many different ideas and theories and historical whatevers about, like, (laughs) how the date for Christmas got set. I don't care. He was born. We can celebrate his birthday on whatever day (laughs) we want. Um, The church has chosen to do it on December 25th. Fine. Like, great. I love that it's at the darkest point of the year. Yeah. And I really love that we also celebrate the birth of John the Baptist on the longest day of the year, Mm -hmm. the brightest day of the year. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love about that is John the Baptist himself, as soon as he recognized Jesus, says, he must increase, I must decrease. So we have the celebration of the birth of John the Baptist. The days get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And in the midst of the darkness... Christ is born and the days immediately begin getting longer and longer and longer and longer. And we just kind of go through this cycle and and like how beautiful it is to reflect on that in what the cyclical reality of our life um, kind of is. That like there are moments when I feel really close to Jesus, when I feel like the sun is just shining in my heart and Mm -hmm. he's just like there and we're going to go do stuff together and it's the best. And there's other times where he feels so far away and it's dark. And those are the moments where he makes a sudden appearance and it changes everything. Yeah, those winters of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of harkens back to, um, (laughs) no Christmas pun intended, I don't even know why I said that. Hark! (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) Um, But it it does kind of point back to what you said earlier about how, you you know, that that cornerstone could be a stumbling block. I think St. Paul says, like, that idea of a crucified Messiah really Mm -hmm. is you know, he said at the time it was a stumbling block for the Jews and folly to the Gentiles mm-hmm. and or both or opposite. I can't he remember. also says to the wise versus the right. Yeah. To the yeah. Fools. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that is something we continually struggle with in our own lives that we don't want winter. You know, like I. OK, disclaimer, I'm Canadian. I love winter. But <laughs> when you hit those times where the light isn't out. Yeah. Like I remember um, when I was working, I would leave the house at 6 a.m. to get to work. It was freezing cold. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was in Fahrenheit, but it was minus 20 degrees or minus 30 <laughs> degrees or sometimes minus 40 degrees Celsius. Minus 40 degrees is the same in Fahrenheit, if that's a reference. And <laughs> it was so cold that you had to plug your car in to the wall for like there's an electric heater in our cars that would allow the motor not to freeze because otherwise you couldn't start your car. So you're out there, you're scraping off your windshield, and it's freezing cold, and it's dark. You drive to work. You're inside at work. When you go to drive home at 3 or 4 p.m., it's dark. Mm -hmm. So you start to get, whether or not you have, like, actual seasonal affective disorder or not, (laughs) you do. There's a huge drop in mood. You are affected. Mm -hmm. You are affected. And nobody likes that part. Mm -hmm. But for us to be able to realize that that's where Jesus comes, that's where we invite him, and from that place... Mm-hmm. When we allow that place to be so that he can come, from that place, he increases, the light increases, the light emanates. When we're able to accept that we have a crucified Savior and that we can say, as hard as this is, I want it because I want you. I accept it because I want you. Mm-hmm. That is what allows us to get to that point of resurrection 
not just new life, but eternal new life. Like, it's, it's marvelous light. It's, it's marvelous not just light. light. It's not just like, hey, we turned on a light bulb. No, like you have never seen this light before. <laughs> it is like, marvelous it light. Is, yeah, it's awesome. It's like more vitamin D than you ever need. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's the thing is that we really, it's hard for us in moments of difficulty to look at the cross and say, mm-hmm. yes, I want this. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. No, we want the fruit. Right. We want the fruit. And we would much rather, you know, there, there used to be that trend going around on social media where they'd be like, can we skip to the good part? And yeah. then they don't show any of the video of all like the hassle of traveling somewhere. They just go to the really nice destination. Yeah. But that's not life. No. And actually, if it were, we would never appreciate the beauty of those places. Mm-hmm. If it were, we would never have had a savior. We would never have gotten to know Jesus the way that he is. and. As much as those dark places are hard and we all face them and we will probably all face them again, if I can say I've met Jesus here mm-hmm. and he's met me, like I just kind of get emotional, like I kind of want to cry. Like, dude, that yeah. that's everything. It is. It is. Yeah. And if we skip to the good part, like our hearts will never be configured to his. No. Our, it actually wouldn't be good. <laughs> our capacity for love would never be opened up like his. No, it would be lame. It yeah. would just, it would be flat and it would be meaningless. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's where we find hope even in the difficulty. And that's how we find beauty in the cross. Right. And the fact that for, for Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem, going to Egypt, coming back from Egypt, mm-hmm. Jesus walked to the cross. The fact that at some point they all faced that like, not uh, hopelessness is absolutely not the right word, but like, but that feeling of dejection or abandonment or difficulty Mm -hmm. or fear or -hmm. whatever it was and they just kept going they that's that was the strength that god gave them to just keep going to do what they were supposed to do and as they did that as they lived that out as they kept plodding on Mm -hmm. through the difficulty even if they were being drained like the faithfulness of the lord bore fruit in them and they were transformed you know like they were given a family they were given hope. They were given a home. Jesus literally saved us all and he resurrected. Like mm-hmm. that is what is promised to us. Even when we pray the rosary, those are the meditations that or the the mysteries rather that we meditate on. We're being called to like reflect on those things because they're being born in us, or at least we're being invited to step into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. I kind of want to go cry out of just gratefulness. Yeah. I just, I keep thinking too of the passage where Jesus says, the well do not need a physician, but the sick do. And that he's come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Yeah. And yeah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it is, it is the experience of both that shows us just how marvelous it truly is. Yeah. And that's why we can say with Jesus, like, Blessed are the poor of spirit. Blessed Mm -hmm. are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they don't have it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, all Mm -hmm. of those things. Why does God say, blessed are you? Because you're allowing Jesus to be born in that and that is bringing you somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that place Mm -hmm. is beyond your wildest dreams. You are redeemed. You are made whole. You are living with him for eternity. You are loved completely. And you are able to love completely mm-hmm. yeah that's a huge shame. and it's and it's why the church can say oh happy fault of adam which one for us so great a savior right because i mean sin's not great 
No. That, that part's not great. No, it's not. But. It's not yay sin. It's <laughs> yeah. yay Jesus came. Yes. Whatever caused him to come, we're happy about. Yeah. We're happy yeah. that you came. Yeah. Therefore, we can say in, in a very mysterious mm-hmm. way, oh, happy fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It is so good. And I can't help but point out that I do I do love Christmas, but I love Holy Week and Easter even more. And I can't help but talk about <laughs> Holy Week and Easter anytime Christmas comes up. So. Yeah. Sorry, I'm quoting the Easter Vigil on our Advent episode. But I, you know, I think that's really appropriate <laughs> because, you know, during this season, we yearn with all of our ancestors mm-hmm. for the coming of the, of the Savior, for the coming of light into the darkness. And for what? And for what? And also we yearn as a church for the second coming, mm-hmm. for Christ to come again mm-hmm. and for that fulfillment. And we understand the baby Jesus as the child who came to die. And he came to die for a very specific mission, obviously. But there is a soberness to his birth. Mm-hmm. And yet there's more joy because of it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. why we are so excited that yeah. he's born. Not, not, not because of the actual death, but because of what he accomplished through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had that gospel reading a few weeks ago of um, the people who Jesus gives the parable and there's the people who go off and say, we don't want this man as our king. Yeah. And I just kept thinking like, Jesus, I want you as my king. Like, Jesus, I want you as the king of my heart. I want you to be king over my my emotions, my actions, my thoughts, my whatever. Like, Jesus, I just want you as king there. And and what I loved was in that parable, he says that he goes off to obtain the kingship. Mm -hmm. And how does he do that? So this little baby king, he is the little baby king. He is. He is already king. He is. But in order to obtain, like, the official kingship, he has to go through this entire process. And so this is how he becomes enthroned mm-hmm. for us, within us. And when he gives us a share of the wealth, like that guy gave, I forget, three servants, a bunch of coins. And <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that he mm-hmm. shares that wealth with us mm-hmm. means that we're sharing the journey with him, too. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And that we share a purpose. I think we could probably go on for a few hours. <laughs> we will not. <laughs> we will not. Should we <laughs> Should we make our little conclusion and call to action? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Are we doing a takeaway? This kind of was the takeaway of yeah, the season. I feel like it was. Okay, great. Okay. I feel taked away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are looking at next season. Get ready. And some things might get mixed up a little bit. In a good way. In a good way. Mostly the format. Format's going to change a little bit. I know in previous seasons we've changed up completely who was hosting. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think it's going to, we're going to stick with it for a little while. Um, this is working out really well for logistically <laughs> for us to keep going. And and I don't know about you, Historian, but I'm really feeling kind of spiritually nourished, Yeah. you know, as I kind of spend some time reflecting on these and preparing for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's going to be the two of us for a little while longer. You might see some changes, visual changes, other little things pop up in your podcast feed. So kind of stay on the lookout for those. Uh, And for our next season, we're going to do a little bit of reflection with uh, the book, The Sanctifier, that I have surprise referred to (laughs) on dozens of occasions throughout this season. Um, So if you would like to get the book and follow along with us, feel very free to do that. If not, it will be totally not necessary. Um, It'll be doing we, we, we have gotten other people. We have gotten questions from people of like, 
can you do this kind of reflecting with something other than scripture? And like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100% you totally can. Mm -hmm. So you can do it with the lives of the saints. You can do it with spiritual reading. You can do it with all these things. I happen to have done it a lot with the sanctifier and I wish more people would. So we're just going to bring some of those gems to this format yeah. and share it that way. And we've been very moved in hearing from a lot of you guys, your feedback of how present the Holy Spirit has been, mm -hmm. either in listening to this or in applying it to your own life or just your reading scripture. And that actually was part of the impetus of us choosing this, this meditation of the sanctifier to kind of go through with you guys is to really be able to nourish that between, but both between you and, and both between us, like, mm -hmm. um, because we want to be attentive to exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing to celebrate it, to participate in it more fully. And we think that this will give both us and you um, the tools to be able to do that. So we're really, really excited. Yeah. And I was just thinking, too, we're going to we're going to try to start it sometime in like late January, early February. Yeah. Hopefully. So that'll be right around the time ordinary time starts, which is really kind of the season of the Holy Spirit and probably wrap up right around Pentecost. So that's just Perfect. working out. I just realized in my head <laughs> kind of accidentally perfectly. Um, so just to kind of grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, get to know him a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that'll be cool. So we really hope, you know, as you enter, as you finish your Advent season, um, as you enter into Christmas season, and as you enter into the new year, we just want to end with a huge thank you to all of you for everything mm -hmm. that you've done for us and for one another, for your prayers, um, for our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. You make this possible and you make it possible for others as well. Um, and also thank you so much for those of you who have reached out and shared not just this podcast, but your hearts, mm -hmm. scripture, the Lord with other people who are, as you see, in darkness. Um, and we really hope as as this new year comes up and we have a lot of new exciting things planned, um, that you will continue to share what you feel called by the Holy Spirit to share if you feel called to share it. Mm -hmm. So in this time, obviously, the podcast will be on a little bit of a hiatus. Enjoy all of this this time to step back and reflect with the Lord. Invite him into all of your struggles. We know holidays are hard. <laughs> we also have families. So, but invite him into that. And um, keep an eye on YouTube for Daughters of St. Paul because we are right now releasing scripture minutes. So every Sunday, um, one of our sisters releases a reflection on one of the readings from that Sunday. And we really hope that this can kind of help you to dive deeper into like takeaways from scripture for your own life and as a resource for you to share with someone who's maybe struggling to see why scripture even matters and isn't in a place to necessarily reflect or meditate with it yet. Mm -hmm. um, so we really hope that you can, that we really hope that that can help you with that as well. And along those lines, we also thought we would just really make the explicit invitation this whole season really has been an implicit invitation but just to make the explicit invitation spend some time with the word like yeah. just do some lexio yourself um like the this entire season has been the fruit of us and our sisters who've joined us just spending some time with our bibles open on mm -hmm. our laps and just inviting the lord to speak to us through it i'm going to go ahead and link to a handout that i used to use as a youth minister just inviting um, like my high school kids to to engage in Lexio with just some like really basic steps and little opening prayer and some little tips and tricks and stuff to like help us to kind of focus ourselves. There's not really a wrong way to do it, um, but sometimes it helps to just have a little guideline if you don't already have another way of doing it. It follows our Pauline way of prayer. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll link to that in case you might find that helpful. But I would just say like, I don't know, Advent is the new liturgical year. We have the new calendar year coming up. If you want to make any kind of a resolution, spending yeah. more time in the word. Yeah. That's like, you can't go wrong there. All right. So we're going to close with you all by praying the Angelus. And if you know it by heart, please pray aloud with us. If you don't, you can pause this and pull it up if you would like to pray along as well. And in praying this, we ask especially that the Lord be born in our hearts this Advent and this Christmas. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, And she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Jesus, Master, way, truth, and life, have mercy on us. Mary, Queen of Apostles, pray for us. Saint Paul the Apostle, pray for us. From all sin, deliver us, O Lord. We'll see you next year. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.